Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you would enable me to preach the message of the text and that we together as your sheep will receive and implement and respond properly to the message of the text. That's what we want. Send the Holy Spirit both to the preacher and to those who listen and give us the grace uh, to embrace the truth that is here and to uh, rightly react and practice it. We ask it in the glorious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, almost, almost everybody wants to hear something good. Have you ever heard the expression, tell me something good? Or is that only for the over 40 bunch of people or, or maybe over 50? Uh, the black guys, uh, that I, I, I had a black roommate uh, when I was in Mexico, and our, our uh, college had an unusual uh, percentage of blacks. We had 13% which was very high at Ohio University. We had a center for Afro-American studies. And they would say, what you know good, bro? And they'd say, uh, this is going too far, but I'm going to trip on back to the crib and get me some weed. You don't even know what I'm saying, do you? <laughs> Maybe you do. But that was a different time, and I was, I was a different person. But our, our text tonight has two things in it. It has something that is good and something that is pleasant. And those are, very, those are two very hard things to be joined together in life apart from the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. There are lots of things that are good, like surgery, like broccoli, like a hard day's work, like a clean house, like a mowed lawn, but they're not necessarily pleasant. There are other things uh, which are pleasant, like entertainment, like pot smoking, like sex outside of marriage. There are many evil and sinful things that are pleasant. But they are not good. They are destructive. Good and pleasant are only joined together two times that I know of in the Bible. And we're going to look at one of them tonight. The other time that it's joined, in addition to the one that I want to turn you to in Psalm 133, if you'd like to be turning there, is in Psalm 147 where the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is fitting. There, the two things go together in the context of worship. But what we have tonight is the only other time uh, that I know of, and I, and I did try to find, I did a search, where, where the two words come together and, and they're speaking about a thing, an, a, a, an entity. Let's notice Psalm 100, 
N33. David says, uh, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Behold, how good and pleasant. It's literally how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded a blessing, life forevermore. This is something that is good and pleasant. Let's, let's have a look at it. Verse 1 celebrates. It celebrates the ideal brotherly unity that existed in Israel, what they had at that time. The psalmist says, look at it. Would you look at it? Would you gaze at it? Would you ponder it? Would you admire it? Look at this. Contemplate it. They had a shared history. They had a shared spiritual culture. They had a shared inheritance. They had room for everybody. All the Jews fit in that promised land. They shared these things together. They had Yahweh. They had Jehovah. They had the one true and living God who was their common good, their common hope, their common confidence, their, their common defense, their common conqueror, their common protector. They had all this together. And, 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 and the psalmist says that it was good and pleasant and it, it, it produced joy. That's what's being said in, in verse 1. This is a celebration. And it's true, as you might anticipate, it's true for every Bible-believing church. It's true for the church at large. But it's true here at Heritage Baptist Church. It's something that we want to cultivate, that we want to grow in. But the true called out ones, the true saints, those of us, regardless of how diverse we are, this is a, a wonderfully and splendid, diverse group of people. And yet we feel a oneness with each other. We feel not uniformity. We are not just like one another. But we can ask ourselves, and, and, and perhaps we do from time to time, if, if you ever thought of this, would I be hanging out with these people if I were not a Christian? If I didn't love Jesus, would Dwayne Baldwin be my friend? I'm not sure about that, brother. And, and, and maybe you feel the same way. But, but look, look at how different we are from each other, and and yet there is a unity. We are brothers. We are we are sisters, and and it is at least somewhat a universal confession. Some of you will say, and and I and I will say, it, that I am closer to 
to some of my brothers and sisters in Christ than I am to the members of my own family, than I am to my biological brothers or my cousins or my aunts or my uncles. I, I, I'm closer to you, more intimate with you. You seem a, a closer treasure, a more precious treasure to me than some of the members of my own family. The closeness, the, the old proverb, the, the, the old worldly proverb is, is familiarity breeds contempt. Closeness um, makes people hate each other. Not so, not so among the people of God. Uh, that is, that's not what happens. And, and there is a sense in which we dwell together. And, and it is a beautiful thing. Well, verse 2 then, after, after he celebrates it, he, he says, what's it like? What's it like? How can I illustrate what it's like? Well, in verse 2, you have an illustration of how precious it is, how valuable it is, how beautiful it is, expressed in, in an illustration of a person and something that happens to that person we're not as as familiar with this so um we can spend a little bit more time on this we need to learn what is this oil the psalmist says it is like the precious oil on the head running down the on the beard on the beard of 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 Aaron. Well, Exodus 30 verses 22 through 30. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but um, Exodus 30 22 through 30 tells us of what this oil was like. It simply says, "The Lord said to Moses, Take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much that is." 250 and 250 of aromatic cane and 500 of cassia according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a hin of olive oil. You shall make of these a sacred anointing oil blended by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meaning of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and, and the basin and the stand. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. And you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy. It should be holy to you. Whoever compounds anything like it, whoever puts any of it on any outsider shall be cut off. 
from his people. This gives you some idea of what Israel thought of and what they were looking at when they celebrated the beauty and preciousness of brother the unity. It was a perfumed and delightfully smelling mixture of myrrh, of sweet smelling cinnamon, aromatic cane, cassia, whatever that is, and olive oil, and it was the sweetest and finest of those elements that could be found. Brother, the unity was represented by, at least in part, by this fragrant, aromatic, perfume-like, cologne-like aroma that filled the air. It also represented this oil was set apart for a special and holy use. But in this particular case, there is, a, there is a profusion of it. There is an abundance of it. It's extravagant. It's, it's over the top. When they saw Aaron, Aaron was the first high priest right next to Moses. He was the prophet for Moses. But he was the one who was selected by God and provided by God to be their representative. They saw this beautiful and holy and happy sight of a man who was their worship leader, who was their mediator, who represented them before God. He was the, he was the first high priest, and what a sight for them to see it, that God had provided this. And, 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 and the smell, the aroma, I should say, that came off of him. Well, we can't help but think of, 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 of the unity that we have with our high priest. His name is not Aaron. His name is Jesus. Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling. This is where we are united. We share this together. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 4.14 says, Since then we have a high priest. We together have him who has passed through the heavens. Jesus The Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We have the same confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He sympathizes with all of us in all of our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, as we together are tempted, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Let's do it together. Let us do it that we, we together might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's that's our high priest. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he, he goes on to say, how much more, how much more will the blood of Christ do through the eternal covenant? Offered himself without blemish, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's that's the uniting feature of all of Christianity. It's Jesus Christ. 
He is the high priest. He's the one who's so beautiful. He's the one who smells so good. He's the one who has accomplished redemption for us. He, he, he's a, when, when we're at our best, we say, he's all I want. He's all I need. Just give me Jesus. That's what we want. We have all of that in, in, in common. So this unity that we have that's being celebrated here is a witness to the whole world. Every place where Christians gather, every place with such diversity and in, in, in socioeconomic status, in, in education, in, in background, in age, in families, in number of children, in abilities and, and gifts and jobs and callings and all of that, yet they unite together and, 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 and they proclaim together the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say everyone is welcome. Don't exclude yourself from, from these blessings that we enjoy at Heritage Baptist Church. Don't, don't exclude yourself from having Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what we proclaim together. That's why we stay together. That's why we worship together. It's because we all love that same glorious Savior. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a real glory, a real beauty in unified worship and, in a, and being unified around a single Savior, a, a unique Savior. Well, how else? How else is it illustrated? Well, verse 3, you, you, you have the... Uh, you have the second illustration. He says it's like, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of, of Zion. We've just seen that, that, that it, it, it is represented by the profusion of oil on a high priest. Makes everybody really, really happy. Now we see the refreshment of unity, the enlivening nature of being joined together, you could call it, uh, uh, we, we could say it fructifies or it fructifies, it, 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 it revives what is wilted. You can imagine this desert land and 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 how dry and 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 arid it was and then there's mount hermon that reaches up to heaven and it's snow capped and this great blessing comes upon the arid plains the the dew of hermon comes down and it, it saturates this dry and, and arid place. It, it's pure. It's fresh. It's life-giving. It's essential. This is all God-given. It, it all comes out of heaven. If you've ever been in a place, and if you ever stay up late at night, and if you're outside, uh, 
from time to time, there is such a profusion of dew even here in Owensboro where everything is wet. The table is wet. What you had sitting on on the table is is wet. Well, well this was more than that. This is a description of of God's great blessing in an, in an arid and dry place. God God pours it out like he pours out the rain, like he gives the sunshine, like he gives everything uh, that is needed uh, in order to sustain us. Well, that's what brotherly unity looks like. It looks like this refreshment, this enlivening, this, this, this pure water that causes things that were wilted to stand tall. Well, lastly, he says then in the, in the uh, latter part of verse 3, he, here you have um, what God has planned, what God has ordained what God's purpose is in, in the midst of this wonderful brotherly and sisterly unity that is celebrated in verse 1, that is like oil upon the head of Aaron in verse 2, and that is like the refreshing dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion in verse 3. Lastly, God commands a blessing upon it. The text says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Whatever God says, that's what goes. Whatever God commands, that is what is taken care of. Uh, In the uh, book of Deuteronomy, He says, uh, I will command my blessing to you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. God commanded that, and it was done. He also says, uh, the Lord will command the blessing in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in, in the land that the Lord is is giving you when he commands a blessing nobody can stop him when he commands life evermore he commands salvation to come nobody can resist it his kingdom is coming it is advancing every day i'll say this that there are more christians in spite of persecution in spite of wars, in, in, in spite of losses, there are more Christians on the face of the earth right now than any other time in history. The gospel is spreading more and more all, all over the whole world, especially these days in what is called the global south. There is a fantastic revival taking place in Central and South America, in Africa. In, in Indonesia, in India, and other places on, on this earth, the doors are wide open, and, and the gospel is spreading 
like wildfire. Well, what God commands then, he commands these great blessings in the midst of brotherly unity. That's where they come. And if if you read the New Testament, this is the benediction that I gave this morning, but 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 you can read it like this. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen eleven says Finally, brothers, rejoice, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. And here's the promise. And the God of love and peace will be with you. God honors unity. God honors agreement. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, Philippians 4.8 says almost the same thing. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Agree on what's true. Whatever is honorable, agree on it. You know what those things are. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Don't we want that? Isn't that what we really want at Heritage Baptist Church? We want the God of peace to be with us. And in order to have that, the arrangement that God has made, we need to be unified. We need to agree together. If this picture looks beautiful to you, it it certainly does to me. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil. It's like the dew of Hermon. It's a place where God commands a blessing. What do we need to have? What do we need to cultivate in, in, in order to have it? I'll say just two things. Two things for right now because I'm, I'm going to come back next week. I, I uh, trust with one more message on this. Two things. We need love and we need humility. If we have love and humility, we will be unified because love and humility resist being critical. If you love somebody, you're not going to judge them. You're not going to criticize them. You're, you're not going to have that judgmental spirit if you are both humble and if you are loving. If you start to do that, you'll stop it. You'll resist it. A loving, humble person does not want to have an unjust balance. And a loving and humble person is not omniscient. He or she does not know everything. A loving and humble person does not place a bad construction on on what somebody else has done, at least not unnecessarily. They try to place a good one.
They try to find a good reason why somebody did something or said something. Because they're loving and they're humble. A humble and loving person esteems the other person more than himself. You look up to a person when you see they have they have more of, of a virtue in them than you have. You find things to say and and to think which affirm them because you are humble and you are loving. You exalt the other person. We we naturally want to exalt ourselves. We we, we, we want to be noticed. We want to be thanked. But the humble and loving person wants to exalt others. He wants to thank others. A humble and loving person sees his or her own weakness. When they see a weakness in somebody else, rather than criticizing it or magnifying it or being content to identify it, they look to themselves and, 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 and they say, am, am I like that? Or they say, am, am I weak in some other area that they're not weak in? They're weak in that, but wow, I think I'm weak in this. That's what a humble and loving person does. A humble and loving person is forgiving. It does not keep records. It does not keep an account on what others have done. These are the things that work against unity. But with humility humility and, and love growing among us, we will be more unified. I say that it actually boils down to this. It it boils down to a mirror. Look in the mirror. Before you look at anybody else, look in the mirror. And the humble, loving person sees himself or herself as so unworthy and so deficient and so weak and so dependent upon Christ and, and so unworthy to receive any blessing or to be the recipient of any gift, we first look in the mirror. When you go to criticize somebody else, first look to yourself and hold off criticizing them. The other thing you need, these are two things that God has given me, and I'm glad to have them. You need a box. You need a box to compartmentalize things in a healthy way. When someone wrongs you, when someone offends you, someone does not intend to do that. Someone has an idiosyncrasy. they're, They're strange in some way. Put it in the box. Put it in the box and close the box. Keep putting it in the box. I'm not talking about sin that you need to talk to somebody about. I'm just talking about 
when you are underrated, when you are forgotten, when you're taken for granted, when when you're not recognized, when you're not spoken to, when when what you've done is not taken into account, when you're not treated fairly, uh, but but nobody meant to do this to you. Put it in here. And when that box gets full, get another one. And, and, and fill them up, but only open them in order to put things in them that you're not going to take into account. That's what we've got to have. We've got to have humility, and we've got to have love. And that will contribute to the unity of Heritage Baptist Church. If you can do a holy compartmentalization where you, you, you forgive your brothers and your sisters and you do not take into account the things that you just don't like about them, look in the mirror and realize that they have to do the same thing for you. You've got to be cut the same amount of slack. Maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you believe that I've got to cut other people more slack, but I'm really easy to get along with. Everybody likes me. Wow, you are really deceived. (laughs) We need as much slack as anybody else needs. So if we have these two things, if we look in the mirror and, and we do a holy compartmentalization, it will contribute largely to the unity and to the beauty and to the blessing of Heritage Baptist Church. God promises. He commands a blessing. And, and this will be a place where people see Christianity and they'll want it. And this will be a place where our children get saved and, 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 and where lost people will come because they'll see above all else. Jesus said, they will know you are Christians. They'll know that you love me. They'll know that you are my disciples and that you have love for one another. Not because you are philanthropic, not because you are generous, not because you carry a Bible around, not because of the way you wear your hair or or what kind of clothes you wear or what you do and do not do. They'll know by the love that you have for God's people. That's what he says. If you want to convince anybody that you're a Christian in this world, show love to your brothers and sisters. You are being observed everywhere you go. Everywhere they see you hug somebody in the grocery store or delight in another person that you just met. Where, where we ask somebody to sit down with you at Starbucks or wherever you are, uh, the world's watching you. Well, praise God, you can do these things. Guess what? Guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty about anything. I want you to step up and get in step with, with the Holy Spirit. You have the fruit of the Spirit Because he indwells you. You have the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the self-control. You have a measure of all those things. Just be who you are. 
Be a spirit-filled Christian. That's who you are. The spirit in you is lusting against the flesh. It's against it. It's fighting within you against it. And I know the flesh lusts against the spirit. But in the Christian, the spirit is going to win. You have that fruit at some level in your life. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the self-control. You already have it. Let's, Let's exercise it for the glory of Christ. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this beautiful sight of Christianity. We thank you that we have uh, a good measure of it here at Heritage Baptist Church. And many other churches have this. We're glad. We rejoice in the commanded blessing of, of your presence with us and peace and life forevermore. Make Heritage Baptist Church truly a saving place and make it a place of, of real sanctification, brotherly and sisterly love. Help us. Help us to look in the mirror. Help us to put things in a box. Keep the box locked. Not, not account anything against anybody, uh, but to love them and, and, to, and to know they're doing the same for us. Give us a, a, a forgiving spirit always. Make us to know our unworthiness, but also make us to know what you've given us through the Holy Spirit, through the death of Jesus. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit within us. May we express it abundantly and increasingly here, every member of Heritage Baptist Church. Save the lost among us. May they long to have what we have. We pray it all in Jesus' name and for his praise. Amen.